Hi everyone and welcome to Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. I am Akane Sunamori and it's Friday. Another Friday together. Oh my gosh, this week has been fucking long. So, so long. But happy Friday. I hope you guys all had a great week. I hope that your weekend is going to be even better than the week was itself. And I hope that it's just beautiful for you. There's supposed to be beautiful weather, all kinds of beautiful things going on. So hopefully you guys get a chance to enjoy it. Um, This weekend, I'm going to be hitting the Park Avenue Festival here, which is right by my house, which I love. And probably hitting some other festival or hitting my bed like it's a festival. Like literally hitting my bed, punching it with my face on top of a pillow and just enjoying it. I am thoroughly thoroughly looking forward to it um so you know today has been a great day for me i hope it's great for you guys and i'm happy you're here to listen because without you i always say it it's not possible um if you want to contribute to the show you can always hit me up on the social medias on twitter instagram and facebook just go to lifestyle of a gay black boy or lifestyle gbb that's lifestyle g is in gay b is in black b is in boy and you'll find me on the social medias or you can always email me directly at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. Again, that's lifestyle, G is in gay, B is in black, and B is in boy at gmail.com. I'll keep you anonymous. I will keep you far more anonymous than all the sources that told on uh, individual one, which was beautiful to see and hear. I love it. Um, Today, I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my face, near and dear to my heart, and near and dear to my balls. I think it's important that we talk about this because it's something that affects us all. And you guys know the last couple of weeks I have been more on the serious side. How about we take a little relief from the serious? But just before we do that, I want to give you some more news on Sudan and what's going on there. So in Sudan... On Monday of this week, six people were shot and killed. At least four of them were teenagers. They were protesting fuel and bread shortages. Now they were out protesting with a group of protesters, most of whom were adults, but these were school-age teenagers who were there in the protest and all they were doing was chanting. They were chanting, it was peaceful. There was no active aggression on the side of the protesters. They were gunned down and the African Union is now calling for a quick trial of the people who murdered these teenagers. The trial is gonna be carried out by the temporary military council that is now currently in control of the country. And if you remember last week, I was talking about this military council that is in place now. This military council that's in place is meant to be a broker for peace. Um, It will be partially military and partially civilian. So there is supposed to be some stabilization of the country. But even with that hope that glimmered, the hope is not gone. 
but there are still bad elements there and they do believe the members of this military council or people of the existing military are the ones who killed these teenagers and the other protesters. Um, This was all reported by Al Jazeera. If you're not familiar with the Al Jazeera media outlet, you can always just type in Sudan on a Google page and literally it'll all come up. The same information was reported by the, is it B... BBC, the British Broadcasting Channel or Community. I don't know what the C stands for. Also, it was on CNN as a thumbnail. was definitely not a top story on CNN. And a few other outlets. And this has also been verified by the Associated Press. So I do want you guys to look into Sudan. I will keep talking about Sudan. I will keep posting about Sudan because it's something great to make the world aware of. I know in our world, well, our country, I'm not going to say our world, our country is a bit of shit in a shitty place right now, but I'm going to come back to that later. So today's episode, today's episode, the title is Gay Black Fuckboy Chronicles. (laughs) This is probably going to turn into a couple of parts. There are probably going to be multiple episodes about the Fuckboy Chronicles, and I'm okay with it. Um, So today's episode is all about fuckboys. And I'm pretty sure that fuckboys have existed since the start of humanity, since the moment we stood on two feet and became bipeds and walking the earth with all of our advancements, like social media, the polluted air, Pop-Tarts, and Twitter. It's never been easier to be a fuckboy in this day and age. I mean... Fuckboy diet is probably Pop-Tarts, Twitter, and a little bit of water. No, I'm not going to say water. Vodka. Fuck water. Fuckboys don't need water. <laughs> but a fuckboy is something that has existed forever. And we're going to talk about him. So you might be asking, like, what is a fuckboy? That term, I mean, I hear the word fuck and then I hear boy. But how does this come together? So a fuckboy, in my definition, is a person who exists to take from others. They can be male, they can be female, they can be gender non-binary, or however they choose to identify. Fuckboy is a mentality and actions altogether. They can be somebody you're in a relationship with, somebody who you're just hooking up with. They could be a living strap-on, a living sex toy. They can even be your friends. Fuckboys just don't stop at somebody you're romantically involved with. Um, Now, I do feel all men, and this is what I'm saying is gender specific, all men, biological or non-biological men, go through a fuckboy phase. At some point in their lives, they go through it. Sometimes they grow out of it. Sometimes they don't. The ones who don't grow out of it typically end up alone and are the friend who's giving the speech at the wedding who just had way too much to drink, doesn't know when the speech becomes inappropriate, and still looks for everybody for validation. That is the person who doesn't grow out of being a fuckboy. But I can tell you for myself, I was a fuckboy. Big fuckboy. Oh my god. Big old fuckboy. Bigger than I'm a big old bottom. Um... But there are things that lead you to being a fuckboy. And most guys who go through 
the fuckboy stage. It's in their 20s, like late teens, 16, 17, 18, then hit the 20s to maybe about 25. You know, at that point in your life, you're really only thinking with your dick. You're not really thinking of anything else. Um, Or if you're not thinking with your dick, you're just wanting immediate pleasure in one shape, one way, shape, or form of your life. So, how do you get stuck with a fuckboy? Because fuckboys, like I said, are people who exist to take things from others. So, a fuckboy typically will come into your life when you are vulnerable. When you're at your most vulnerable, to be quite honest. Um, It's likely to happen after a breakup, after you get a good man and you lose him or things just don't work out or maybe you think he's a good man but he's not a good man and you're just all heartbroken and you know it's just weird it's just like crazy so fuckboys typically appear after the end of a relationship after you had a fantastic steak dinner maybe with some papa's frites on the side or you know right is about you're about to catch a really rare pokemon a fuckboy pops up like you see Mew, if you're familiar with Pokemon, and you're like, oh my god, it's Mew. Or even Missing No for my real gamers out there who know what that is. And you're like, oh shit. Well, there's Mew, but there's this fine, sexy-ass man right over there. You know, red flashing light should come up like, you got a fuckboy. That is a fuckboy right there. Um, they're typically, you know, just fine, have a great fucking smile, They're really good at small talk for the most part. Um, But they are really good also during that small talk at reading your body language. A fuckboy who's gotten really good at his craft knows how to flirt with you very easily. And you won't even notice. They are so good at flirting. They could stab you with a knife, but they've sharpened it to the point that you don't even feel that bitch go in. That's a good fuckboy. Now, in my fuckboy days, I was very bad at the flirting part when I first started off. I mean, most guys could tell right away where I was at. That it was either only after sex or some kind of benefit. And then I had to, you know, work to get better. You know, I always worked out to try and get some kind of drug or sex out of the situation. Really didn't care. I was just there to take something from somebody. Give me a bag of weed. Give me a bottle of liquor. We're all good. So what I would do in the time where I was really in the midst of my fuckboy phase, I would go on the hookup sites like A for A or BGC. And if you guys do remember BGC, it was quite the interesting thing. Or one of the places that I don't even really know if anybody remembers is Downlink. If you know what the Downlink is, high five to you. Because that was definitely a underground site. I mean, it was essentially Facebook just for gay black people or even just gay people who didn't want to be out. Um, but what I would do when I would especially hop on BGC, I look at the pages, read the profiles, and I would look for somebody who looked lonely or really easy to take advantage of. I'd flirt with them. I messaged them, I would massage their ego with a bunch of compliments, maybe send some provocative pics, not naked, but just at the point where it's like, this should be banned from Instagram. 
and we all know Instagram, you can pretty much put anything on there. I mean, people were upset that Twitter took away their porn. Just go look at fucking Instagram. You'll find some shit to masturbate to. You'll see an ass, most of a dick, most of some tits, most of a pussy. I mean, it's quite frank. It's there. And if you haven't figured out yet, this is not a safe for work uh, podcast. Well, at least this episode isn't because there's going to be a lot of expletives in this one, but it's okay. Um, but you know what I would do? I send them these pictures and they would get hooked and then I would kind of talk them into coming over or meeting never in a public place. We can meet at my apartment. We can meet at a park, but somewhere at nighttime because I don't want to be out with you at daytime. Um, so I get them to come over, but just before they come over, I give them some kind of like bullshit excuse like, oh, hey, I ran out of liquor. Do you mind grabbing a bottle and bringing it over? You know, it really helps me get in the mood or like, oh, my God, I had such a long day at work. You know, the office was so crazy, so I could really go for a drink. And then they'd be like, oh, well, babe, I'll bring over a bottle. Aw, babe, thank you. That'd be my response. I'd get him over to bring a bottle or a bag of weed or some shit. Knowing all the well, I didn't have an office. I worked at fucking Payless. And maybe I didn't work at the time. I was like, I don't give a fuck. I just want somebody to come over. So I'd get them to bring it over. And I would really pretend at that moment that I was interested in them. Once they finally came over... You know, I'd get really drunk on the booze they brought or maybe get super high with whatever weed they brought, smoke, drink, and then pretend like I had fallen asleep or too high to fuck or too drunk to fuck. (laughs) I mean, that's a word I'm going to come back to a lot, but I would do that. I would literally sit there and just take advantage of the situation and then be like, okay, well, that's good. Now, sometimes I would also because they had roommates at the time, I cue one of them in on it and be like, hey, knock on my door in like an hour and 10 minutes and pretend like you got some emergency phone call or like we got to go rush out of the house to go do something amazing or some shit. Credit to my roommates. Thank you. You you guys played into my fuckboy face and they pretty much did it seamlessly because they were fuckboys too. Let's just be honest. If you're mad at me, roommates or former roommates, fight me. You can catch these hands and then we'll go get a drink after it. So, (laughs) after the guy would leave, and it was only guys because I have never been into women. um, I look at it and I'm like, boom, I got a free bottle of booze. I got a bunch of weed. And then at that point, I never talked to the guy again. <laughs> and that was my fuckboy in action. And if anyone called me out on it, I'd just be like, oh, fuck that. I don't care. Or I'd just be like, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. And just block them in any other way, shape, or form I could. Sorry, guys. My throat just got really dry talking about fuckboyism. Even talking about fuckboys. It absorbs the moisture out of your body. Goddamn. <laughs> so, I never felt any type of way about being a fuckboy. 
I mean, I got what I wanted. And if someone really felt some type of way about it, I'd just be like, whatever. I don't really fucking care. I would have no qualms about it. I'd walk through the situation and just say, you know what? You fell into this trap. I didn't make you fall into it. I'd give some excuse like that or some way to justify it for myself because I knew what I was doing was morally wrong, but I just didn't care. I had no care at all. So to me at that time, being a fuckboy was like being the ratchet James Bond. I'm like, my name is Shepard, AJ Shepard. And I would never use Andrew. I would use AJ because AJ or the things of Jay, if you are a gay black male who is listening to this, you will understand that no matter what hookup site you go to, no matter what app you're on, no matter if you were in the chat line days, all the fuckboys and all the DL dudes were named Jay. Some kind of Jay. <laughs> Whether it was like, oh, hey, I'm Jay, as just the letter J, or I'm JJ, like J.J, or I'm AJ, or I am J, as J A E, you'd find some dude named Jay. 90% out of 75% of men were named Jay or called themselves Jay. It's a ratchet gay boy name. It is what it is. It's no shade against anyone who's named Jay, but it's just what it is. So I'd be Jay Shepard, and instead of getting some martinis, I would love a four loco, shaken, not stern. And then as I got deeper into my fuck boyery, I would get guys hooked on me and then kind of just take what I would want from them. I was never really a monetary fuckboy. I really didn't care about the money because I was always working. I mean, work was just my release from everything at that point in my life. And I knew I could go to work and even if shit was just going to hell in my life, work was one place of stability. So I never really needed money from guys. But my thing was getting alcohol, getting some weed, having somebody pine over me getting that attention infection and then saying get the fuck out because now I'm bored and you're annoying me that was kind of my thing so at that point once I would get bored with somebody I would eventually just disappear and goodbye that's what I would do I would ghost these guys ghost them they'd never be able to get in contact with me and then I did it for so long that it wasn't even funny anymore it kind of just became a habit And then one day, I grew out of it. Now, the day I grew out of it, the funny part of it was I was at a guy's house pulling some fuckboyery shit. Like, I got him to kick out his girlfriend and invite me over and get me drunk. We smoked, like, seven blunts, I swear. It was ridiculous. And pretended like I went to hook up with them. We never even got to the point of having sex. He ended up like, coming on himself through his clothes. And then he went and got a shower. And I remember I got up, and I'm just, like, walking through his apartment looking at, like, oh, this looks cute. This looks cute. I wonder if I can get him to give this to me or get him to give me this. And as I'm walking around, I walked past a full-body mirror. And at that point in time, I looked in the mirror, and I did not recognize the person I was looking back at. Didn't recognize it at all. 
I, and I say it because I did not recognize the person who was staring back at me. I was like, this is the first time I'm seeing myself after going through this intense fuckboy phase. And I'm like, damn, I don't even look like the person that I remember. I looked like the last time I looked in a full body mirror. So at that point, it was kind of like a culture shock for me. It was really a blast back to reality to say, hey, bitch, the fuck are you doing? You look crazy out here doing all this shit to these dudes and you don't have shit to show for it. Like the fuck? You're not even getting anything out of this. Now you're just doing it just to be cause. So it was like this big reality check that knocked me back to reality that said, hey, hey girl, um, we came to talk to you today about the passion of the Christ. I, we don't know if you have seen this movie, but as Jehovah Witness Mormons, we want to tell you about the love of Jesus Christ and give you this book. <laughs> and that is what happened. I remember looking in this mirror just in pure shock of like, wait, that that's me? I, that That person that I'm looking at right now, that's me. Now, fortunately, I had that happen to me. Um... And I, you know, fortunately for a lot of people who are in their fuckboy phase or the female equivalent or the gender non-binary equivalent to being a fuckboy, because everybody is included this because we can all be them. Your dogs can be a fuckboy. Your cat can be a fuckboy. Donuts. Fuckboys. <laughs> it's not just based on human. But we can all go through this phase. Now, sometimes we do get knocked out of it. Sometimes we get that great little culture shock. If you have friends who are around you who care about you, sometimes they'll just check you and say, look, you're doing some dumb shit and you're fucking up your life. Fix it. And then, you know, sometimes you get the friends who are like, oh, girl, go right on ahead. I can tell you how my friends, especially Davey, he will will clean, knock me out of a fuckboy phase easily, and I appreciate him for it. So, now, one thing to know, that not all fuckboys are alike. Not all fuckboys are made equally. Some have a very specific goal of what they want. And some are like a parasite. uh, Like a parasite. I don't even know why I said on the word parasite. They're, They're like a parasite. You know what they are? They're like a parasitic chicken nugget that uses all of your dipping sauce. So let's say you have a bunch of dry ass chicken nuggets left over from Wendy's, but you have this one chicken nut from Wendy's that is very big. It's huge. It needs a lot of sauce to cover it. And it seems like when you dip this chicken nugget, it just absorbs all your sauce. That's a fuckboy chicken nugget. That chicken nugget has taken all of your sauce and now you're left over with these other chicken nuggets with no sauce. And we all know Wendy's chicken nuggets are just as dry as my throat was about 10 minutes ago. You feel like you eat one of those things and just all the moisture has gone out of your body just like that. So now you're left with all these nuggets and they probably are spicy chicken nuggets. You know, and I'm just saying Wendy's, um, bring them back. I am waiting on them. You said they were coming and they're not here yet. But these other nuggets are now left over. You have no sauce to dip them in and they're spicy. That is what a fuckboy does to you. The fuckboy takes all your sauce, 
leaves you with chicken nuggets, but you have no way to enjoy them because now you've denoted all your shit to that one fuckboy nugget. Think about that, y'all. I don't want dry chicken nuggets, especially when they're spicy. I don't think you want dry chicken nuggets, especially when they're spicy. So fuckboys can be just like that. Now, like I was saying, they are not made evenly. They're not. So I decided to break fuckboys down into a few categories. A few categories that I think will be useful when you think about a fuckboy. So what we're going to do first, I'm going to take a little quick break so I can get this dryness out of my throat, gulp down some water. So why don't you guys listen to a message from our sponsor and I will be back. Hi, everyone. Today's episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy is sponsored by Anchor. If you're not familiar with Anchor, let's talk about it for a little bit because it's not something that's going to tie you down to the bottom of the ocean. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. And everybody knows a girl loves free. Free is better than skinny. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. They do all of the work for you. I mean, look at this. You can hear my crazy whiny voice on over 10 platforms already. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. And then you can have your voice out there like this little girl here. So check it out, y'all. And let's get back to the show. All right, guys, we are back. Um, I have had a great little drink of water. Let's hope this throat doesn't dry out again. (laughs) And we're going to go from here. I felt more parched than somebody in the desert, but we're back. So I was saying we are going to break down fuckboys into some categories. I broke them down into three categories. I'm pretty sure everybody has their experience with a fuckboy, and you can probably break it down into 72 categories. I just don't have time to do all that. Maybe in future chronicles, we can't. But the three categories I broke them up into, I'm going to say these are the major categories that I think of and I have experienced as dealing with fuckboys because, you know, former fuckboys end up dealing with another type of fuckboy. The great part about it is if you've gone through a fuckboy phase and you have acknowledged it, understood it, accepted it as a phase and then grew from it, you'll be able to identify them a lot easier than somebody who hasn't experienced a phase. So the first category that I break a fuckboy down into is... A monetary fuckboy. So the monetary fuckboy is very charming, like most of them are, but they are very charming. They're charming on a whole nother level. Most of the time, 
they don't have a job, or if they do, they are never into reciprocating the money that you spend on them. I mean, you'll be lucky if you go out and get a cheeseburger from them. And I'm not even saying like an expensive cheeseburger. I'm talking about like the 92 cent cheeseburger from McDonald's that just has crap thrown on it and is there. You'll be lucky if you get that. Now, every time you see them in person, they want or expect that you'll have something for them, that you'll have one of their creature comforts. Um, with the fuckboys I've dealt with, it typically starts out with something simple, like a brisk lemonade or a pack of Newports, like a disgusting brisk lemonade. I'm sorry, brisk is gross. You might as well be drinking the piss of a panda. It's disgusting. Anybody who likes brisk, challenge me on it because I'll make you some good lemonade and show you what lemonade's about. But the one of brisk and some Newports and side note, most fuckboys, and this is a sign that you're dealing with a fuckboy, when you buy them a pack of cigarettes, if it's not Newports, they most likely will get upset about it. And if it's not Newport 100s, you get the shorts, oh, they'll be pissed. They will be pissed. They'll look at you like you didn't even give them something that you spent your own money on. They will literally look at you like, what the hell is this garbage? Throw it in your face, probably not talk to you for a week. You know you're dealing with a fuckboy if they act like that. <clears throat> So, you know, what will happen when you do these little gestures of getting them their creature comforts when you see them, they're going to start by saying thank you, but eventually it's just going to be expected. Like, you'll say, oh, thanks, babe, for the cigarettes. And then the next week when you see them, it's like, you didn't buy any cigarettes? You don't have money for cigarettes? What's going on? Why don't I have cigarettes? Oh, I have no cigarettes today. Those are the things you're going to hear. If you can't figure it out, how smoothly that came off my tongue. I used to say that, but not for Newports. I'd say it for weed or liquor or the other way around. The fuckboys I dealt with, they would say that crap to me. Um, And since they never have money or most likely they don't want to spend their own money, they most likely don't have a car. They don't have a place of their own and they will want to use all of your stuff And then run your stuff into the ground. You know, an example of it, I was dealing with an extreme fuckboy. And I went out of vacation. I'm sorry, I went out of town on vacation with family. And while I was out of town, he asked that I left my keys in my truck so he could drive my truck while I was out of town because I wouldn't be able to use it. Now, it sounds logical to an extent because I can't use it while I'm out of town. But the other part of it is, no, fuckboy, That's my car. I brought it. You can't drive it just because I'm not here to use it. But what they'll do is they'll use your stuff. And then when you get it back, it's going to be broken. There's going to be some damage to it. It won't be respected while it's in their care. And then you're the one who's expected to fix it. And then if you don't fix it, let's go to the example of a truck that you don't fix after the fuckboy has messed it up, then they come to you and say, well, why didn't you fix your truck yet? Why can't you pick me up? You should be able to pick me up. You have a car, don't you? And then if you say, well, no, nigga, you're the one who fucking broke my shit, they'll look at you like, what? How could you blame me for running your car into the ground? You chose to go on vacation. They'll say it just like that. (laughs) <laughs> and they'll try to turn it around on you like it's your fault. So 
when they do that, that's another sign that you are dealing with a monetary fuckboy. But what makes the monetary fuckboy dangerous and probably their most dangerous trait, they don't have money. They don't have money at all. What they do use for money is their dick, their ass, or whatever they use for sex. That is their currency. It's their ducats, their doubloons, their drachma, their pounds, their yen, their greenbacks, their blue faces, their coins, their dollars is their pink parts, their flesh, and I will guarantee you that shit is amazing. I just have to stop there. I'm telling you, it's going to be good. It's going to be addictive. And the reason why that it's going to be addictive is because that is their form of trade. Their pink parts are amazing because they know they need to practice their craft to make sure that you understand that this is just as good as a dollar bill. Except you can't use it as a store. I mean, if Wegmans or, well... I don't know if you guys have Wegmans where you're listening at, but if Walmart takes dick, these dudes would be able to buy out the entire Walmart, the entire franchise, the entire company. Like Bill Walton, I think that's who the owner of Walmart is. You know, forget you. This fuckboy who's a monetary fuckboy is going to throw his dick on the counter and everybody's going to be like, oh, okay, you're no longer the richest person in this company, Bill. We're going with, uh, let's call him Adrian. That's what's going to happen. Now, what they'll do is they'll only give that to you when they see you're getting tired of their bullshit. So the dick or the ass or whatever you're fucking isn't always readily available. They say that for the moment where you look at them like, nigga, I'm always buying dinner. I'm always getting you cigarettes. You can't even get me a dollar Arizona. The next thing you know, the dick's out in your face and it's like, oh, Okay, well, let me just play around with this. I guess I don't need it in Arizona today. And sometimes you'll willingly be like, oh, okay, boom. And then that tides you over for a little bit. Everything's good. You go back to being this fuckboy's enabler until you get fed up again. And then, boom, magically, there it goes. Oh, the magic rising dick. It's there to bring, put you back in line. Now, they will do that. And what they'll do is they'll give you maybe some two to three star dick. It's not the best dick in the world, but you know it's there. And it just makes it easier for you to fall into their trap. You know, you could end up buying them a Ford Explorer and they say to you, oh, babe, I'm going to take over the payments to this truck so you don't have to worry about anything. I just need you to get it for me and put it in your name. And because they've been giving you and stringing you along with that monetary dick of theirs, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, babe, I got you. I can do it. It's no issue at all. Knowing the entire time, this fuckboy does not have a job. This fuckboy has no money of his own. So why the hell am I doing this? That is the power of a monetary fuckboy. They know how to work their way in there. Um... They are not the most dangerous of fuckboys, but they have mastered their craft at least partially. Now, the second type of fuckboy is the sexual fuckboy. 
Now, the sexual fuckboy, just like the name, implies that they are only after one thing. They have steak, and they want to serve it on your good china. That is exactly what they're going to do. They... They work under the impression of wanting to get to know you, but it's all superficial. There's no basis to this when you meet them. You know, you'll meet them, but they're like, oh, hey, I'm just really looking for a friend. Or they'll say, well, I really just want to find a fuck buddy. And, you know, I really don't like the term fuck buddy. I like to say a crime fighting partner. You know, a crime fighting partner or somebody you fight crime with, it's like the crime is the fact that you just want to get pounded or have amazing sex. But you just don't want to do it with random people. So you meet somebody, maybe have a good connection with them, and you guys just happen to start playing slap and tickle with each other. That's a crime-fighting partner. So the sexual fuckboy will come along and they want to be that crime-fighting partner. That's how they're going to present this opportunity to you. But the difference between having an equal crime-fighting partner is with the sexual fuckboy, it's all one-sided. Always, 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 always. They are ready to go out and put their spandex on, put their little suit on, shine the back signal, and go save Gotham City. But only on their time. It's only on their time, never on yours. When you're ready to go and be a ninja turtle, put on your shit and go save April O'Neil, they're nowhere to be found. They don't answer a text message. They won't answer a phone call. You'll say, hey, or you'll send them the sup or the what you doing. Won't get a response at all unless they are in the mood. The sex is typically four star. You know, it's not the perfection of five star, but it's like four star. It's really good. You have some fun with it. But in the middle of it, you'll notice that it's only for their gratification. That's it. You know, me, I am a bottom. I've already talked about it. So a sexual fuckboy for me, and there was one I was dealing with, he would come over. Fantastic dick. Amazing. Top, pound me out, send me to the grave with a smile on my face if that was the case. Great. Great at it. But then I noticed it was only for his gratification. There was no gratification for me out of this. You know, a sexual fuckboy... They are there to get their nut, and you better hope you get yours because it does not get prolonged for you. Once they get their nut, they're pulling that dick out and they're ready to go. Like, up, oh, okay, I'm done. I have nothing to do with you. Um, you know, and if you're a top and you happen to deal with the bottom, it's the same thing with bottoms because I used to do it to guys. Up, oh, I got mine. Well, okay, you know, take your dick out. I'm ready to go. You better pull that shit out and go jack off or something. that is what they do speaking from experience (laughs) now two major signs that you're going to deal with a sexual fuckboy is first when they hit you up to fuck or get up and you aren't free the conversation immediately stops so it could be that oh what you doing and then you say oh nothing just cooling at work Um, I get off at six. What you doing?
hear that? The podcast did not stop. That is the response you get from a sexual fuckboy when you say something like that. Like, the conversation's done. It's like, oh, okay, well, this, 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 this dicker ass is not available when I'm ready, so I'm just going to go on to the next one or hop on Grindr or Jacked or some shit. The second sign is after you play a game of foosball, like, oh, what can we call it? Um, flesh foosball. <laughs> Once you finish the game, you feel like shit after it. And they go along with their day like nothing happened. Like you're sitting there like, well, this wasn't that gratifying for me, but he enjoyed it. Well, damn, now I got to get up and clean this shit off of me. Well, not shit. Oh, I mean, if you're into shit, no, there's no fetish shaming here. But if you're into that, you're into it. But you're just like, well, damn, this nigga just came all over my back. And I got nothing out of that. So let me go hop in the damn shower. That is what it is. You'll feel like you are a piece of trash. And they will walk out of your apartment, smile on their face, won't even look back at you. That's a sexual fuckboy. Those are two major signs that I can point out about you. But the downfall of a sexual fuckboy is that they, even though they're just looking for their physical gratification, are also looking for somebody to say, oh, you're pretty, or I want to fuck you because you're sexy. They like this ideological image of themselves. So... The great part about that is when you cut them off and say, nah, I'm good. I don't think that we should crime fight anymore. Or, you know, hey, I understand we started off as Batman and Robin, but I think I'm going to go ahead and join the Avengers. They get upset. They are crushed when you say that to them. And they'll typically throw some kind of tantrum. And whatever tantrum they throw, just keep your distance away from it. They'll calm down. They'll get their pacifier from somebody else. And you can move right on along with your life. And now the third type of fuckboy that is out there, that is out there that you will have to deal with if you got to deal with the fuckboy. And this one can be the hardest to identify and one of the potentially most dangerous This is the relationship fuckboy. They thrive on people wanting to be in a relationship with them. Typically, they come along as Mr. Right, but most often, they're incredibly damaged or just plain dead on the inside. Now, people who are damaged, I'm damaged baggage. Everybody in this world is damaged. Everybody has their baggage that you get with them. But a relationship fuckboy doesn't want to deal with the damage. They don't want to acknowledge their damage. And they just see that the damage is just a part of life. And they're habitually in a relationship. Habitually. Like when I say that, I mean they get out of one relationship. And then three seconds later when you're talking to them, it's like, oh, well, I love this guy. And I want to be with him forever. And he's really good to me. I mean, he just said hello. He didn't stop at typing hi. He typed H-E-L-L-O. That means we are committed and serious. That's relationship fuckboy. If you have a friend who's like that, you may want to talk to them. 
they always start off looking like the best seat in the restaurant. They are like the best seat in the restaurant that serves the most amazing food, in particular ramen, because ramen is amazing. But as you're sitting there waiting for your bowl of ramen or entertaining this individual in some shape, way, shape, form, or capacity, the red flags are going to start popping up. Sometimes they can be incredibly small to notice. Like I'll start off as a little story of them telling you about why they haven't been in a relationship or why they're single. Or it'll start off by asking you a series of questions like, have you ever bursted the windows out of somebody's car? Or do you take from people? Or can I trust you? All these kinds of little questions that you just kind of are like, oh, okay, well, it's a little weird you ask me that, but I guess I'll give you an answer. Because you think about it, you're like, well, at least they're having the conversation. And you feel like the fact that they're having the conversation means that maybe we're addressing underlying issues that could build to something here. But the fact that we have this communication means that it won't. One of the warning signs to look out for for a relationship fuckboy is that they have an exorbitant amount of relationships. Like, they have tons of exes. Not like the standard, maybe. I mean, you know, let's say we're in the gay world. 10 to 15 exes. They've got, like, 75 exes. And whenever they talk about these exes, all the exes are crazy. They all say, oh, well, that he was just crazy. He burst the windows out of my car. Or he was crazy. He set my house on fire. Or... He was crazy. He decided to throw ice cream at me when I was standing on the beach. Or he was crazy. Um, he decided to step in front of a car or some whatever. Now, I'm not shaming anybody who has mental health issues by saying the word crazy. But a relationship fuckboy will label all of their exes as crazy or unstable. They are always saying that they're crazy and unstable. They'll say, like, he slashed my tires. He broke the windows. Maybe he was stalking me. Or maybe their ex was just sitting on a bench menacingly eating an ice cream cone. All the stories will have something like that. And when all 767 of their exes come up in a situation, they immediately get angry and standoffish with you. If you meet their family, this is another big warning sign, and the family is surprised that you want to be with them, or the family gets you confused with seven of their names, you got a relationship fuckboy. That's exactly what they are. If the family is surprised that you want to sit around, fuckboy. If they have multiple children by multiple different people and the children don't look to them as a parent or they are bad-mouthing all of the other parental figures, and I don't mean like one to two, one to five. I mean, they have like 12 children by 12 different people, but all 12 of those other people are just, according to them, insane. But the children don't live with them or the children look at them as, oh, you're just the nigga who slept with my mom. You got a relationship, fuck boy. There's no way to look at it. It's a huge warning sign. That's relationship, fuck boy. But one of the hugest red flags, and this one is so huge, it uh, will be like a shining light, like a spotlight, like a lighthouse light in your face, 
is if their ex or their exes always seem to have their phone number. Always. Like, they can always somehow get in contact with them and this individual has never blocked them, has never blacklisted them, has never reported them on Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media the girls are using these days. If this ex is always able to get in contact with them, you got a relationship fuckboy. They're not trying to cut that shit off because they feed on that. They feed on the fact that somebody has gone crazy over them after the wrong that they have done to that individual. That's relationship fuckboy. So those are just the three categories I've divided them into. And, you know, fuckboys can fall into one category. They can fall into multiple categories. I mean, shit, they can fall into all of them. So if you think you have a fuckboy, watch for some of the signs that I gave. Um, If you are a fuckboy and you didn't know it and some of these things hit you like a brick in the face, you may want to go and look in your bathroom mirror and ask yourself, am I a fuckboy? If you are, you know, and you're ready to change, change yourself. If you are and you love the fact that you're a fuckboy, love yourself. I'm not going to tell you to hate yourself. I'm not going to say you have to change because at the end of the day, your life is your life. That's all I can say about it. Um, hopefully, eventually, if you are a fuckboy, you don't end up like the 40-year-old fuckboy. Because there is nothing cute about that at all. At all. If you are a 40-year-old fuckboy, I'm telling you, you're going to be lonely or you're probably going to be getting blowjobs in a rundown Cadillac by guys who are just starting to come out and don't know what it is to be gay. Ew. Ew, ew, ew. You'll probably end up being called Uncle Gary or some shit. Gross. If your name happens to be Gary and your uncle, that was not an insult towards you. There's just people that I know who go by that phrase and whenever you see him, it's like, oh, you gotta suck his dick to get into his car. I'm gonna let that simmer right there. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) So... That's what I have to say about fuckboys, and this is just the beginning of the fuckboy chronicles. This isn't the end of it. There's still so much more to come, because fuckboys are always changing. They change just like mood rings or the sky, the wind. They will always be evolving. Newton knew it. Einstein knew it. Mendelssohn knew it. Anybody who believes in the evolutionist theories has known about fuckboys. It's scientific, y'all. <laughs> so that's going to wrap up our topic. Um, but the one thing I do want to leave us with before we do our quote to end the episode, because I did not give a starting quote for the episode. There really isn't a quote that I could give to a fuckboy um, to start the episode with. But before we end, you know, I got to give you guys a little looking glass moment. Through the looking glass this week, we have seen a lot of shit, tons of crap and garbage on the news, on our televisions, on our social media. We have seen it. I'm just going to say this and get mad if you want to, fight me if you want to. You can come and catch these hands. When it comes to what is going on with this democratic race and uh, individual one in the office, 
we're going to focus on something that I saw on social media, and just in particular Twitter. On Twitter, a lot of people are calling Individual One racist. I've talked about this before. We know that Individual One is racist. We know that he's a bigot. We know that he's a xenophobe. We know this. This is common knowledge now. And I'm not saying that because it's okay. I am saying that because let's get away from this racist. We know he's a racist. We know exactly what he is. Let's start calling him what he is. We call him a racist already, but it's time to start calling him a treasonist criminal. We can call him individual one because he is the individual in a, what, investigation into criminal activities. Let's call him for what he is as somebody who has practiced treason, somebody who is enforcing treason. And on top of that, the Republican Party is adding to the treasonous activities. We've all heard the moniker Moscow Mitch. Moscow Mitch? Well, Moscow Mitch is a bitch. Let's just be quite honest about it. The fact that you have chosen to stop a bill that would increase securities for voting in America means that you are on the same side as individual one, which means you're on your knees getting Putin's cum on your face. That is exactly what you're doing. You're saying no. Even though we know we have credible threats to our voting system, even though we have credible threats to our democracy, even though we have proven credible threats that the Russians did interfere with our election, you're saying we don't need further protections to change and protect our voting? This leads me to my point. The fact that this man, that this Moscow Mitch bitch and criminal one, well, individual one, I'm sorry, maybe I should say it a little bit more. No, criminal one. Um, Even though these two criminals have acknowledged that the Russians did interfere in our election, they refuse to do anything to stop them, which means they're going to let it happen again. Now, I'm not saying that to despair anybody. I don't want you to give up hope. I don't want you to think that your vote does not matter because your vote does matter. It matters more than you know. Vote for whoever you want to vote for. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I will say, though, I have an opinion about voting. If you vote for criminal slash individual one, you are supporting a racist, which makes you racist. I'm not going to feed into that anymore. That's my statement. I said what I said and I mean it. When you give somebody the power of the presidency, you are giving them the most powerful seat in our country. That means you are giving them full control of their ideas, their ideological things, their statements, their tweets, their voice. It is now the head of a nation. So by voting for that individual, even if you say, I don't agree with their racist statements, you are agreeing to their racism. You don't give somebody the part of the presidency. You don't give them a portion of the presidency. It's all or nothing when it comes to giving somebody the presidency. So if you give them it, that means you're supporting what they believe and you are a part of what they believe. Deal with that on your own terms don't come coming to me and saying hey you're being uh what is it race baiting or 
yeah, some stupid bitch on Twitter tried to tell me about race baiting. She didn't know the definition of it. And yeah, bitch, I hope you're listening because you're a stupid bitch. But uh, don't think because you do it in secret or you say, oh, I would never vote for Trump. And then you go and vote for Trump that you're not racist. You are. You are supporting racism, which in turn makes you racist. Deal with it. Do what you want with that. Accept or don't. That's just where I stand. I don't know where I was going with that. Don't know where I was going with this looking glass moment. But I just have to say, it's been quite agitating to see this happening. And the fact that people are literally talking about, hey, uh, no, he's not racist. Even though he said, go back to your country. I mean, he's not racist. That's not racist at all. He's just defending himself. No, he's not defending himself. Individual one, you can defend yourself in a multitude of ways. Shut up. Just shut up. Oh, my God. Disgusting individual. That's all I can say about it. That's all I can say about him. And that's how I feel about this current state that we're in. And Democrats, for the love of God, in a debate, stop arguing with each other and just talk about your policy, your goal, and what you want to do. I am tired, so tired, of hearing Democrats and people during these debates trying to get these little one-liners in, like they're comedians or like you're trying to read somebody. That's not your goddamn job. How about you talk about your fucking policy and what you would do to help the people of this country as opposed to trying to make some horrible joke about fucking Kool-Aid and not even saying it correctly. Let's look at the real issues, pure people. You can do it for an applause on your own time. The same thing that I see on all of the social media, people just saying things just to say them, trolls or trying to get a bunch of likes. That's what it seems like when I've watched these last debates. It's just like, hey, I posted a great picture doing some kind of stance and I wrote some funny quote under it. That's what the debate is just in live action. Let's stray away from that and tell me what you're going to do about putting more money in my pocket. Tell me what you're going to do about making sure that I have health care and I don't have to worry about pre-existing conditions anymore. Tell me what you're going to do about our national debt. Tell me what you're going to do about reparations. I mean, the fact that only one person in this full entire field of Democratic candidates has talked about reparations and she's not even Black Shame on you who haven't talked about it because it's something that is needed for our country. And reparations isn't just about the money. It's the fact that you're acknowledging that a systematic system of racism has existed in this country since the inception of the United States of America once it was stolen from the Native Americans who lived here. That is the point of reparations. That is why people are talking about it. And if you want to say, because nobody right now is live is in slavery in the United States, you're just as idiotic as individual one. Racism and reparations is not about the people of the past. It's about the fact that the people who went through this, Black people, people who were enslaved, have always been set back at the finish line while other people 
people who are, oh, I'm going to say white people, not people who are white, because I do believe there are two types of people in this world who are not black. You have white people and you have people who happen to be white. People who happen to be white understand that there is a privileged system in our country. They understand that this country was built on racism. They get the fact that there is not equality between black people and white people and people of color. People who are white just say, hey, shut the fuck up. You aren't a slave now, so you can make it on your own. That is white people. So, you know, take it, do what you want with it, say what you will about it. I don't fucking care. But that's just my looking glass and that's my thought on it. (sighs) I had to get that out. (laughs) So... We're going to end on a quote, and this is probably going to sound like an Instagram quote, um, and I don't even care right now, because I think it's still a good quote. So I'll leave you guys with this, and hopefully you have a great weekend from this, Um, but before I give you the quote, I almost forgot. If you like this podcast, please share it and rate it with your friends, your families, your neighbor, your total uh, your cat, your dog, a pair of shoes that you like, maybe even with a jar of peanut butter. Maybe with a jar of peanut butter. I just burped. I'm sorry, guys. Um, share it. If you like it, share it. Rate it. It really helps because without you guys, this is not possible. If you want to contribute to the show, make sure you reach out to me on the social medias at Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. You can also go to at LG, sorry, at Lifestyle GBB or hashtag LGBB. Um, I'll make sure to get back to you. And if you want to be featured on the show, I'll keep you anonymous. If you don't want to do it on the social medias, you can also hit me up at my email at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. That's lifestyle, G is in George, B is in black, and B is in boy at gmail.com. Our ending quote of the day, though, is, single is not a status. It's a word that best describes a person who is strong enough to live and enjoy life without depending on the wrong person. Simmer on it, y'all. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening.